welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. Hello, my name is Sean Shields, and today I'll be your host for this SBCA podcast series, looking at how component manufacturers around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in today's market. My guest today is Barry Dixon, owner and CEO of True House in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome, Barry. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be on the show with you today. Great. Well, Barry, at times, it must feel like you've been in the trust industry since the day you were born. Can you talk a little bit about how it was like for you to grow up around the family business? Well, I'll tell you, and it's old school. You know, my dad's from the greatest generation, a retired Army colonel, so it was cooled with an iron fist, if you will. Um, he was a home builder. He actually, after he retired from the Army in 1980, he started the home building business. So I actually got in on the builder side at first, you know, um, worked uh, digging footings, tying steel, laying sods, sweeping out, you know, after the house was framed, uh, just whatever he asked me to do or told me to do, uh, more importantly, child labor. Um, and then eventually uh, he had a gift for Gab. So he, he opened a real estate company and I ended up uh, selling, got my real estate license at 18 right out of high school and started selling houses as a site agent and looking for land to buy. Eventually got into components after that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was a great experience. It was in my blood um, as a young man in junior high and high school, being around home building, and getting to see something from start to finish, you know, and, and kind of say, wow, I helped build that back then, $75,000 house, you know? And uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty influential. Um, I definitely wanted to go in the marketing and sales route because um, I, I quickly understood that's where the money was. <laughs> so I went to school thinking I was going to be more on the real estate and marketing side. Interesting. So at some point, your family business transitions from home building and you add component manufacturing. Mm -hmm. and, and as you just admitted, you didn't really expect to end up there. How did you end up on the component manufacturing side? And, and at what point did you decide like, hey, no, this is, I fit here. This is what I want to do. Well, my dad started the trust plant my senior year in high school. So I worked um, as a trust builder. And then while I was in college, I'd come home and they would be behind on saws. So they'd stick me on a saw at a third shift in the middle of the night by myself and let me, uh, you know, cut cords and webs or whatever for floor trusses and get them ahead. So when the morning crew came in, um, I, uh, I rode behind wide loads with a blinking yellow light to jobs two, three hours out. <laughs> and, you know, just a little bit of everything, just whatever was asked of me. And really what came around to it, I, I you know, my dad, um, in the late 80s, right when I was going to college, the savings and loan scandal, the um, Barnett Bank or Southeast Bank was corrupt. You know, the uh, government took them back, uh, what is it, the FTC or whatever, sold them. And all their loans were called due on his building business. So the only thing he kept was the trust plant and some real estate. So uh, there went my plans to go into the sales and marketing world in the house building business. So it'd be on that side. So he goes, hey, why don't you come work for me and help me grow the trust plant uh, when I was graduating college. And I said, one, I don't want to work for you and my brother. <laughs> and I said, two, I don't really know that much about Trust's dad. He goes, oh, you'll be great. And, he, and uh, I was lazy enough not to take enough interviews and do other things and didn't really know what the heck I was going to do because all my plans were upended. And so I said, you know, what the heck, I'll go, uh, I'll go try this trust industry thing and uh, check it out. And that's how I, so I jumped into it, both feet, and never looked back. 
Well, your company has evolved quite a bit since those days of just having your that one trust plant. Um, let's talk a little bit about that evolution and the ways in which your company over the years has sought to build your competitive edge. Um, so we've talked a little bit before. You started seriously looking at whole house design in the late 90s. What prompted you to do that? What was the biggest challenge you faced at that time? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it kind of goes back a little further than the late 90s. We've been chasing this since the probably since late 80s, early 90s with the, with the family. My, my dad was an innovator. Um, you know, he was the first one to use pneumatic guns in northeast Florida. He fought with the local building departments to allow OSB. And they kept saying that stuff will burn. And he would show up with OSB down at the building department with a blowtorch and showing that it couldn't it wouldn't catch on fire I mean it's just he loved technology he loved things advancing he loved finding better ways to do things and he loved people he loved working together and getting people convinced that there's a better solution in the world so that's where we always came from um, you know the trust plan itself was started to help his home building business um, because of the uh, the way the trust industry was you know, basically people would uh, pre-design trusses. They weren't very responsive. Their timelines, uh, you know, as far as when you could get the dependent, dependent on uh, getting your product delivered on time and all these things that were, you know, there is the reason we got in the trust business. And the trust business has launched us just to continuously look to find better solutions for the home building industry. And that's where we, all of this spawned from in my father's his thoughts and his innovation uh, and then it's just continued from there sean i mean i could i could talk about this for hours um but he jumped forward i guess maybe the 90s it was like well we really want we realized design was really the key to getting everything done the catchphrase back then was whole house design and everybody was thinking we're gonna have a big easy button some computer you're gonna push a button and you're gonna be able to manufacture and do everything that you needed to do. And it just wasn't there. The technology wasn't there. The ideas were there. People were thinking that way. Um, the, the desires were there, but the technologies has always has been really lacking um, for us to be able to, uh, to do that in a timely and, and cost effective manner. Hmm. Well, we'll get into the software in a minute, uh, but I'm curious, you know, along with that, um, push to get into whole house design, you have to also match up your manufacturing and the products you're putting out, right? So one of those key pieces is wall panels. And you've told me you've been in and out of wall panels quite a bit. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you get into wall panels and why you ended up getting out? Like what was going on in your market that caused that to, to be on and off again? Well, wall panels is open frame. We're in an open frame market, so which means, you know, just, you know, you're just building the studs, top plates, headers, door openings, et cetera. Or you also can be doing a sheathing, maybe the exterior sheathing, like an OSB or when we started off, we were actually using thermoply um, back in the, I want to say late eighties, early nineties, when we first started building wall panels. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's always been a factor of labor. Um, wall panels, um, labor, and then cost savings in the field. So as we saw lumber markets really go up and waste builders have become really concerned about waste, wall panels start becoming a topic of conversation. Uh, when people can't get houses framed uh, fast enough, very similar to what's going on, there's not enough labor in the market, wall panels become a solution to help 
have, instead of having 10, 12 man crews, maybe have four or five man crews to build a house in the same amount of time. So it's a product of labor. Uh, being in the South, you know, labor ebb and flows. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, Hispanic labor and uh, other, you know, islands or people that come into the market that flood the market with labor um, with the uh, government restrictions that we have now in place as far as immigration laws. I mean, you know, that's now we're seeing a labor struggle again. So we've gotten in and out when we saw the value. Uh, the problem with builders is they always looked at wall panels. Uh, you know, when you look at builders, you look at stick houses, most people price studs and OSB is, you know, it's a commodity based product. So they put very low margins on that. They may mark it up only a couple points, right? So, but when you're selling that wall panel and then you're putting together in a factory and then you're shipping it, then you still are dealing with an outside framer that has to install it. Now you're fighting, well, how much is that labor worth? And then by the way, we need to sell this product at a higher margin because I'm not supplying your windows and your fireplaces and your trim and your doors and all the other expensive products, shingles or whatever else. We're only supplying you this one singular product. So it's always been a fight in the, in the market to see, to be able to show what the value of wall panels were in an open frame market. Do you think there's any opportunity now for that equation to change or is it always going to be like that? Yeah, I actually do, Sean. Um, I think that, you know, the interesting thing as technology has gone, I mean, you heard all this uh, offsite, you know, everything's about offsite construction, offsite solutions, offsite, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that's where it's going. Um, you know, the wall panels, uh, floor panels, um, even trusses, we ship air, you know, so if you look at the amount of you know, board footage or however you want to calculate it that you can get on a truck, you know, when you're shipping in bundles of lumber, obviously you're maximizing the number, you know, the board footage of lumber in a truck. So as you put it into a truss or a wall or a floor panel, you know, all those gaps in air, you're shipping air, right? So it becomes a product, product of shipping. So I think that, you know, when you start looking at major manufacturing and you start looking at the different solutions for solving labor, it's the tying of all the trades. So you get the mechanical, your electrical, your plumbing. Even now you're talking about insulation. Now you're talking about exterior and interior cladding, possibly window solutions, and even, even in your waterproofing. So as this is where the factories are going, now the value is you're not actually shipping air, you're filling up those cavities with other products and services, which allows the conversation to shift. The challenges shift as well. It's not like, oh, hey, we're building wall panels, now we shift it out there and it's good. It, you still have insulation you need to do in the field. You still have electrical you need to do in the field. You still have plumbing you need to do in the field. So the conversations, just shift and the collaboration of the all the trades and subcontractors and the builder have to be in line so everybody can still benefit and profit from the building of the house while at the same time reducing time which is reducing costs and reducing and better more effectively using the materials in the house so that's where i believe it is i think that um i think wall panel open frame wall panels you see a lot of people doing this stuff i think are very short-sighted I think they're um, are also kind of maybe just even um, playing to the marketplace a little bit. Um, I don't think they really um, have a huge benefit um, in the long run without starting to move to other products. That is just my opinion, not a fact, but it's it's based on just years and years of being in the industry. That's my my thoughts. Well, Barry, you know, you raise a good point. There is this focus on integration of, of the various trades 
and maybe a blurring of those traditional lines of, you know, the component manufacturer only does up until X and then hands it off to somebody else. You've played with that with turnkey framing in the past. Um, what prompted you to get into installing your product and what, what got you out of it? What were the challenges well, we've been, there? We've been in and out of it a couple times. Uh, the first time we did it, um, I was a salesman just hungry to get my commission. And I had an apartment job and it was a, a, a large apartment builder out of Orlando. And uh, there's a structure right across from my dad's house here on the intercoastal waterway in Jacksonville. And I just knew if that apartment job went up and it wasn't my product on there. And I knew that he could look across the water and see a project or every time he drove to have breakfast in the morning, that he would see this going up, that he would call me every day while that project was going on. Well, why didn't we get that project? So I made sure we got that project. So one day I walked in and the guy goes, listen, ma'am, Barry, I really like to give you the business. He goes, but we can't find a framer. We need a framer. If you can get a framer, you can have everything. I go, what's that? He goes, you can have it all turnkey. And I go, what's turnkey? <laughs> this is probably 92. And I go, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, yeah, the material, the framing, the everything. And I go, really? So I called a framer buddy of mine that was a, one of the largest framers in Jacksonville. And then I called um, a little local lumber yard um, that I now own. I, I bought just a couple of years ago and uh, that we've partnered and you just friends, from, you know, working and supplying with uh, working together on projects for years. So we're local residential home builders. I said, Hey guys, you want to put a plan together? So I worked out a deal, went to my father and said, Hey dad, we can do this partnership and um, we'll control it. And I think we can make a little bit of money. So he said, all right, go for it and put it together. So I, I put this deal together and we got our first turnkey job and it was a, a big one, it was about a $6 million contract. And and we did a bunch of them for a long time. So all the next thing I know, I was like, wow, this is uh, this is unbelievable how, how we can make some really good money in this turnkey. We found a really cool niche with the services that we added that we could reduce a lot of cost that other people didn't have the ability to do. And, Mainly, that was I owned an engineering company, so we value we were able to value engineer all the metal and framing and uh, get it pushed through the building market and um, kind of changed the industry. Um, everybody started following what we were doing after that. So that's how we got in it. Um, got out of it when uh, we had the federal um, workers' comp people showed up in my office. We had a sub out in the field that was a sole proprietor that had employees. And they've threatened to lock up our manufacturing facility and everything else. And my CFO said, uh, we're out of this. And so we so we closed and got out of it. And there was a bunch of scandals and stuff going on that we didn't do anything, but we didn't want to, we didn't like a potential federal problem to pop up. And uh, by about that time, it was starting to roll about 2003. And we were so busy in our component side of the world, we didn't really care anymore. We were growing our other side of the businesses. Um, then we got back in it. Um, we started our own company. We owned Holy, uh, late 2000s, um, and we still run that company today, uh, Turnkey Construction Services. Uh, but we are now very targeted. So we do it for a complementary to customers of ours. We do targeted projects, whether they're light commercial, some uh, a small multifamily, you know, like that are more townhomeish, and then um, and then targeted uh, larger customers where we can sell full trim doors, you know, framing packages, as well as the trusses. And uh, uh, so it's a very small company now, but we, we have it sitting there that we can always fire it back up and try to go big again if we want to. Cool. 
So on the manufacturing side of things, more recently you've been exploring advanced automation in your manufacturing process. At what point in all of this evolution did you start down that path of, you know what, we're going to, we're looking at the labor situation that we're facing here in Jacksonville. And, you know, it seems like it's going to make the most sense to go towards automation. Uh, when did you reach that conclusion and, and what have you learned thus far as far as what you need to consider or evaluate when you're starting to go down that path and make that investment? Well, I think that, you know, the thing that, you know, sitting at board meetings and we're having a lot of conversation, we're frustrated, you know, what is, uh, what is our uh, industry suppliers really done to advance, you know, in here in North America to advance the way we build trusses, right? Um, other than the, you know, the linear saw and maybe some auto jig table, you know, uh, jig sets for uh, production tables, there hasn't been a lot of innovation. Now, since then, you know, everybody is more innovative. They've kind of seen it. Um, but they were, you know, they were happy and they were making money the way they were. But a lot of us uh, trust guys were just frustrated. So a lot of people tend to talk about frustrations. I tend to go on the offensive and I start researching. So through relationships and contacts on the wall panel side and, and um, you know, different automation technologies and friendships I built back in the mid-90s in, in uh, Europe um, and through some other relationships, and uh, meeting some people, I said, you know, I'm going to just get on the airplane and start seeing what's going on, you know, bringing up those conversations, having talks. And with that, I, uh, you know, I decided to take a chance on, um, you know, the automated plating system by Randec, the AutoEye, and took a shot at that to be the first one in the Western Hemisphere to have that kind of automation. And it's just really uh, said, you know, somebody's got to do it. You know, a lot of people are talking about it, but until somebody does it, it's not going to really, really push everybody else to do it. And for us to be successful, my company to be successful a long time, you know, we need, you know, mass adoption. You know, you have innovators, um, you have early adopters. I would call myself an early adopter. I mean, I didn't invent the machine, so I'm not an innovator. I'm innovated in the way my, we thought about using the machine. And even they've changed how they market the machine based on how we use it. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of where it is. I mean, you know, just if you look at demographics, you look at the writing on the wall, you look at the way the industry's changed, and the way the industry needs to change, and you look at productivity, these things have to happen. So, you know, we've been just been, uh, we're a very aggressive company when it comes to that side. We, uh, we're not always uh, afraid to be the first one going through the jungle with the machete and clearing the path for the people to follow us. Um, but you know, we're, uh, it's also tough, you know, it becomes financially becomes tough. You know, we're not a huge company. We don't have the capital that other large organizations that get all the press and talk about what they're doing out there in the marketplace. Um, but you know, we, uh, we feel very comfortable that our knowledge and the way, uh, we look at these things, um, will, will continue to help push on the front end and we're hoping that everybody will benefit from it. So you feel like it's worth the risk? Being there on the, oh, the leading definitely. edge. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's the time. You know, I've had a I've had to be careful. You know, I've learned as I've gotten a little older. And I've been in this been in this business technically since I was 13 years old. I'm 52 now. You know, from a home building all the way through. And you know, when I was just helping my dad, you know, just digging ditches basically. You know, uh, as a kid. Um, you know, I've learned a lot. You know, I'm a pretty confident, cocky kind of person, as people would say. You know, so I, I like to take chances. I like, I'm a definitely a risk taker. I, I definitely like to push things to the to the nth degree. Um, but you know, you also have to be smart as a businessman and you also gotta be careful of not pushing your people too much. Um, I think that's, you know, I'm not really ever worried about the 
danger of it being worth it or not, but the question is, is it worth it for the value and the push that it puts on your staff and your employees as well? Because not everybody's like me. They don't want to push that hard. And I like to push really hard. Um, so I've learned how to soften that a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're going to get there, you know, and also realize you're not going to get everything. We're never going to get 100% there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so just, uh, but somebody will someday, you know, they, you know, it's because things are always going to be innovative and everything's going to be continuously improving. Um, so, you know, I just, the value that you see as far as when you introduce it in the proper way and your staff gets introduced to it in the proper way and, you know, their exposure their excitement that builds around that and all the opportunities to do more and more amazing things is fantastic. It, it helps everybody grow. And then, you know, from the plant, you know, where somebody feels more productive, their body's less tired. Uh, they feel like the quality of the product they're putting out is, is better. All of those intangibles make it worth it more than you can imagine. Hmm. You know, raising the the impact that this um, evolution in your manufacturing process has on on your employees, that was a topic of conversation when we were talking about your trip to Australia, of how you may have learned early on in the adoption of, you know, taking a chance and buying the Randec machine and sort of figuring out once the machinery was in your plant, how to make that work for you that you learned from that lesson of like, I'm not gonna put my employees in that situation again. Now I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna see how other people have implemented it. And then we're gonna, as a, an employee team, figure out how we can make that work for us. Can you talk a little bit about maybe your most recent experience in having those conversations with your employees and sort of figuring out that buy-in uh, equation so that yeah, they're totally on board and, and excited about that machinery coming in as opposed to maybe potentially dreading it. Yeah, so, you know, everything kind of goes full circle, right? You know, and you got to also pass the torch. So I'm not going to be around forever to do this. And, and then to get that adoption, when you when I would go out and see things and then come back, go, hey, guys, we need to do this. Well, they didn't see it. They didn't experience it. They didn't understand it. And it just became me telling them something that, you know, there's a better way to do it than they're doing it. You know, a lot of it maybe may have been perceived, you know. So then going out there and then bringing a team approach to it, and then going out and experiencing it together, and then also having a lot of fun and seeing some different things in different countries. And you learn a lot, you know, as much as you learn about things that you can do better, you also learn that there's a lot of things that you do better than other people. So no matter where you go in the world, there's things that you'll go, oh my gosh, you help them become better and they help you become better. And those opportunities are, you know, are there. So the dealing with your team and getting that. So when we go and say, hey, we're gonna buy this machinery, like you said, and I had my plant manager, my IT guy, my head of operations, uh, in them involved. I don't have to sell this anymore. So now we're just thinking about what is the business plan. I get to go think about the business plan, and they're gonna they're gonna go back and implement, right? And uh, that is the real benefit of uh, getting engaged and looking around, and also just changing thought. You know, we're all sometimes too close to the fire; we can't see the flames. Until you go spend some time outside of like, hey, I got my customers yelling at me and all I'm really trying to do is get my product out the door to where you can go out and really sit there and think about things and really take some time and to just evaluate and look at numbers and process things 
and how do people make decisions and why do they do what they do? And also you change the way you think. So when you go back to your plant, whether you even innovate and buy anything new, you're going to start changing the way you look at your manufacturing process. And you're going to start looking at numbers and trying to start studying things. And what should you or what could you possibly do just under your roof today to make yourself better? And then how do we add that automation? How do we create that additional cash flow and you know, to, to add additional automation to take us to where we want to be maybe three years from now or five years from now? So to me, it's just very exciting. It's a lot of fun. Barry, one of the things that you brought up during the whole house design uh, discussion when you were adopting it early on was there were a lot of limitations with the software. There's just a lot that you couldn't do easily, but a lot has changed since then. Um, even whether it's design and engineering or it's the manufacturing process, the software is the key to all of that. Can you talk a little bit about from your perspective, what has changed just in the last few years that uh, helps you interface better with your customers, address their problems easier, uh, and improve sort of the efficiencies of all of your operations. Yeah, so, you know, a couple things have happened there, Sean. You know, so one is, you know, the technology has advanced tremendously. I mean, with, you know, especially with Autodesk, and Autodesk is all in on the construction industry, right? So they're, you know, they're pushing really hard to, to develop their tools. And you're starting to see a lot of innovation from, you know, from outside people developing tools, plugins, if you will, uh, onto the software, onto the Autodesk, you know, platform. So with mainly Revit, right? So when you look at that back in the, you know, when we started getting a whole house design in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, we're dealing with Unix software from Europe and this wall panel software. And, and then, you know, with HSB CAD and you had to, had to be, a, you almost had to be a programmer, right? TSL language tool, a tool script language to program things to do and then try to implement that. Oh, and by the way, we're in a market that's heavily engineered and they expect to get a permit in 72 hours and have to do all this. It just wasn't feasible. It just was, we could do it. We just couldn't mass scale. It. So if we were doing it and it was a repetitive house and they weren't going to make any changes, yeah, we, we could do it. But in this world that we live in the United States, and a lot of that's where a lot of things in Europe and other parts of the world is, there's not a lot of choices. It's kind of the old Henry Ford, like you can have, a, you know, when he came out the Model T, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. You know, it's kind of like how they build houses in Europe. There's not a whole lot of options, not a whole lot of opportunities. There's not a lot of closet spaces. They don't have huge open rooms that, you know, the family room, the living room, and the kitchen and the outside back, you know, porch is all one big party room, right? So the, the challenges just in our structures are just way more complicated in the United States than they are in Europe. Um, so, you know, with, with the innovation of all the, the software now, we can move at a speed that we can produce construction documented drawings for the home building industry now encapsulate it into a model, which the model then allows us to do everything that we need to do downstream, whether it's bill of material, VR framing walks or marketing, uh, the, uh, and then also tying in directly into manufacturing. And you know, that's you know, what we're at right now. We've just about got that lick. So that's where, you know, the things that we're looking to go to the future would make this a huge benefit. The bigger thing, Sean, that, that really happens with all this is that, you know, the, the two buzzwords, you know, was whole house designed and it was, you know, it's off site construction. And then, you know, but the two big words that you hear every company, whether what industry is, you know, is transparency and collaboration. 
And builders have really embraced that. And what that's done is when they started having these conversations, they started understanding they don't know everything. They understand they need, it is a team approach and that we all win by working together. And with that being said, so the building a modeled program, which takes your subs, your trades, your professional services, the home builders, possibly your land developers, and eventually the building departments as well and code, right? That's when we ultimately get to where we can apply all this technology and make it hugely beneficial. But today, the if you know the Revit platform and moving in that direction and having the ability to to collaborate in whatever manner you are, whatever products you do, is key to the success of be creating a model-based platform for home building. It's fa that's fascinating <laughs> how that has all changed and it's it's changing so quickly right yeah it's I mean, it's, it's, every day is changing more i mean it's like you you can't even if you blink you're another year behind i mean it's that, that crazy right even by the time people are listening to this podcast in a couple of months uh things will have changed again <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're right so barry you have touched upon sort of uh, um in bits and pieces, we haven't really gone through it in a linear way, but your company has become pretty integrated. I mean, you have the, the component manufacturing operations, but as you said, you bought the, the lumber yard, uh, you have this engineering design firm, Apex. Um, I don't know, you have the, the turnkey framing uh, piece that you can scale up at any time if you want, but right now it's sort of in this niche market. Uh, I don't know what else you have, but my question is, is for any other component manufacturer who right now is looking at today's landscape and is thinking about how do I become more integrated uh, in the supply chain of doing much more than just, or just maybe a little bit more than just producing components, what advice do you have for them? What, what do you think that they should look at or consider or what questions should they ask themselves as they get into uh, that process? Yeah, so I, I would say um, the interesting thing, which, uh, I own architectural group who design studios as well. So the uh, I think the design, the AE firm side, would probably be the hardest to get into for for a um, a man from coming from the manufacturing because your thought process has to be completely different, and the labor market is so tight out there. So if you're going to do that, I would start very small and grow it internally. Um, that that would be my recommendation. Or if you have a bunch of money, go buy. You know. There's some companies out there right now you read every day, they're buying our larger firms. But I'm talking about the everyday, I'm talking about the true house type manufacturers starting today. That's what we did. We started it for a service. How can we add a service for our builders? So really understanding what are the pain points of your customers, whether you're in multifamily, single family, commercial work, whatever you're doing, whoever your ag, whatever your customer is. The question is, how do you serve your customer better, right? And then what are those things that align with what you do today in your core business that can be a complement and help you be successful? And I think if you, you know, if you stay like stay focused on that, it doesn't matter what you want to get into. You want to get into wall panels, you want to get into doors and trim, you want to, you know, have a full, you know, LBM, you know, whatever you want to do, I think that is the core, you know, question you have to ask yourself. How does that add value? And then the second question is, how do I make money at it? Right? You got to make money. For us to be successful and continue to move forward, you got to make money. So, you know, that would be my 30,000 foot, you know, view of, of what you got to do to integrate. You know, we've been doing this a long time. I mean, we started to trust my dad, started the 
home building business after he retired in Army in 1980, started his home building business in 1981. You know, we started the trust plant in 84. We started uh, doing turnkey and land clearing and concrete in the you know, uh, late 90s. We started the uh, Apex uh, Engineering in 96. I started, um, and I started the architectural group in 2008. So, I mean, these companies, you know, it's, it's come over a 34-year-plus period, you know, of, of uh, the True House, B-Lit, Apex, TDS side of the business. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, but you know what? I'd like to retract that a little bit. I'll tell you what. I, the first thing, after that, I'd find out the value. The next thing I would do is you really need to study and really go out and open your eyes to the software platforms and think about how do you model your business approach of whatever you're going to supply, whether it's like, how am I going to get from design drawings that my builder gives me, you know, some markets are still on a napkin, you know, can I just add a design service and what do I want that to be? And can I make that integrate into my trusts and my wall panels and my door shop easier, right? And what is that platform that helps me be? And what is the platform that helps me shape and move forward in the future? Because one of the things we, we have a tendency, most trust plants, I would say in the country, and I'm just gonna, it, we rely on whoever our direct supplier is and whatever technology they have, whether we're designing beams, trusses, walls, all the technology comes from that one relationship. So I think really understanding how you can, you can start to bring all that into a, a more comprehensive uh, plan, I think that would be a huge success. And I would really, really study and get to understand what that means. Hmm. Good advice. Well, Barry, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us uh, on our podcast. Well, I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. I hope it works out well. It's a, it's a lot of well. these subjects are all probably just one podcast subject each, you know, but I um, hope uh, people find some value from it and uh, appreciate you uh, considering me to, to be a guest. Absolutely, Barry. And I'd also like to thank our listeners for spending the time with us and hopefully getting some insight from you on how to capitalize on today's market opportunities. Thank you for listening to SBCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at sbcindustry.com. 